Welcome to The Real Deal, where God, His purposes, and His people are celebrated. I'm Rachel Inouye, bringing you encouragement through real life, people, and their stories. It's The Real Deal. Hey, let's get started. wanted to thank you, first of all, for being a real dealer and hanging in there. I wanted to also just share some of the life events and give you a little bit of an update. I haven't had a podcast out since October 20th, and it was a wonderful interview that I had with my dad, and he has been the reason for the real deal, the catalyst for the title, and he really always just showed me to be the real deal, be who I am, be authentically who I am. So what I want to share with you today is a message from a real live talk that I gave I maybe a year ago or so, I can't remember because of 2020 being a blur, but it's really my passion because we are made for the praise of God's glory, and it, it talks about having God-finance, and, and it's my identity talk, and I want to share it with you today, but I wanted just to update you on why and what has been going on. So I haven't posted a podcast or had any episodes live for a while, number one, because of the whole quarantine, but also... My husband contracted COVID, and so with the coronavirus positive um, testing, he was out. He was literally out. 14 days, fever, felt horrible. So in the midst of that, I prayed over him. We took communion or received communion daily, multiple times in the day, and I just, I, I never was overly panicked, but I want you to know I wasn't thinking about podcasting. I wasn't thinking about him being the sound engineer. We were just getting through that. So that's one thing. Then my father was diagnosed with cancer and has since passed. So it was super fast. The last thing that I wanted to um, be thinking about is getting podcasts out on a Tuesday. So you're really important to me. I'm really grateful for your listenership. I'm really grateful for my dad and for the the real deal and how he put that in me to be authentically Rachel and he was RD Richard Dean and he always told us just be the RD be the real deal so I want to dedicate this episode to him it's not an interview with anybody it's me giving a talk to a live audience and kind of explaining interwoven in that is the real deal and I talk about the podcast I talk about my dad I talk about knowing who our father is in the kingdom as well and the spiritual overarching truth of that. So I hope you enjoy. I love to speak to audiences. So I hope you enjoy me just addressing an audience. It was one out of four talks I gave for a weekend retreat. But I do not believe that you would be lacking anything by me just extracting this one and giving it to you. So be blessed, have Godfidence, and enjoy this episode of The Real Deal. Oh, yeah. And I also launched a book. So I had both a live launch and a virtual launch for He Speaks, Hearing the Voice of God Through Journaling. It's available for you. Check my website out if you want it signed and dedicated. Uh, you can go to Amazon if you'd rather. Also, there's a companion journal for He Speaks called I'm Listening. And since you're a podcast listener, I assume maybe you listen to books and there is an audio version, an audio experience of He Speaks. And I'm really pleased with that too. So that was also something that was going on. That's my quick update. Let me, let me ask you a couple of questions here. Uh, believers, uh, if that's you, you can go ahead and raise your hand. Believers, did you know that First Peter calls you a royal priest and Roman calls, Romans calls you co-heirs with Christ, a child of the king of kings? What would it look like if you actually believed this about yourself? How would you treat others if you knew you had the favor and the love of the king of kings? What would your generosity look like in your life if you believed that your father had more than enough to provide for your every need? What would your thought life be like 
if you knew that you were completely loved and accepted by that king, take a moment, close your eyes, and ask God for a deeper revelation of your identity as a royal daughter of the king of kings. That was just an Instagram post, and I thought, wow, that's so good. So let me, let me tell you, as we think about who we are in Christ, our identity needs to be secure in him. It's really important that we know that we know. And so remember I told you about the tooth fairy? Well, this is, <laughs> this is kind of gross, but for some reason I kept all of my kids' teeth. <laughs> Did anybody else do it? Yeah. And, and they, ki- they kind of have that little blood spot that turns kind of brown. It's kind of odd. But I, the weird thing is I didn't keep them in like, these are Michaels, these are Andrews, these are Graces. There's just a bunch of teeth. And I think they may be kind of a cool necklace. <laughs> so maybe I should do something. But one day I was looking for, the, for something in my drawer, and I came across this little ID bracelet, you know, just this little silver bracelet, and, and it was in there with the teeth, and I found it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is this ID bracelet that I probably wore in the sixth grade. And the great thing about pregnancy and children or whatever, your wrist doesn't really change that much. And so um, it still fit me. But the reason I want you to know it is it says Rachel Hagen. That was my maiden name. Then it tells the address of my parents on Hunziker Drive in Ames, Iowa. That's where I grew up. Then it tells their phone number. And if I read it aloud, you could still call them because my parents still have a wall phone. Okay? And I'm grateful because sometimes I call it. Okay? And then here's the deal. Below it, it says Richard Hagen. My name's at the top. Foundationally, my father's name's at the bottom. Do you know that the King of Kings, God Almighty, is your father? And your identity is secure in him. Your address is heaven. We are citizens of heaven. We are passing through. And your phone number of your God is important because my phone number here was the phone number of my father. Does that make sense? And so the phone number that you can always reach God at is Jeremiah 33.3. That's his phone number. I don't know if you knew it, but it says, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and mighty things that you don't already know. I'm going to raise my hand. How many of you have some things you don't already know in your life? Okay. Right? So you got to call to him. One of my little lines is you got to go to the throne before you go to the phone. We'll call somebody. We'll chat with our friend, our neighbor, our mentor, our mom. We'll chat with somebody, but go to the throne before you go to the phone. Because God has already promised that he will answer you and tell you great and mighty things that you don't already know. And so I think it's really important that you understand and know what scripture says about you. And we're going to turn a corner in a minute. I'm going to read some things to you from Ephesians. Some of the core things that I'm getting this message from are Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2. Some of it comes from Colossians and some of it comes from different verses in the Bible. And I will read them to you. And as I do, I want you to know that it's important for you to know who you are. And it has to come from what God says about you. I love um, a pastor's comment. He said, I can't, have a, I can't afford to have a thought in my head about me that God doesn't have in his about me. Does that make sense? I can't afford to have a thought in my head about me that God doesn't have in his about me. It's really important that our view of who we are 
lines up with what God says about us. So I want a volunteer who's brave and, uh, to come up here for just one second. Who wants to just come up here for one second? Okay, thank you. It's Leah, right? Okay, so Leah, I want for you to just to know none of this is true. Okay, okay but I have to use you as an illustration for okay. a second. Okay, so now, what if, I, I want you to know that some of you are listening to voices, and then you're partnering with them, and because you're partnering with them and you have not renounced them, the lie in itself is nothing. It's when we believe the lie that we empower the liar, right? And so this is what some of you say. You say, you know what, you're so stupid. You can't get it together. You know, your future is not bright. You know, you should not have done that. You know, it's never going to change. What you're going through is never going to change. And do you know that you're, you're so dumb. You've been dumb since the fourth grade. You know what I'm saying? Okay, I am, would you, aren't you uncomfortable with me even telling her these things? I'm, so, I'm such an encourager. I'm uncomfortable saying them to Leah. Because number one, they're not true. But some of you have no problem talking to yourself that way. You have no problem talking to yourself that way. And we have to stop it because, by the way, the truth is you're a masterpiece and your future is bright. He's got a future and a hope for you. And you are well able and whatever you're able to do, God is going to equip you to do it even better. And exceedingly abundantly, far beyond all you could ask or imagine, that's the plans he has for you. And so you just get to go do what you do with complete confidence. Does that make sense? And I don't think I undid what I did. But, Lord, I just pray that that would go in Jesus' name. Okay, thank you. Do you understand how, un- how many of you were uncomfortable? I didn't even want to do it. But like when I started saying things to her, you think that's ru- really rude. You would never do that. I was making um, some things for a friend's daughter's wedding the other day. And I went over to be one of the worker bees. How can I help you? We'll make as much pasta salad. We'll do whatever for the reception. So I was there and she started saying things out loud to herself about herself, about all oh, she can't figure this out. And she's dumb about this. And oh, I- you know, so-and-so, how stupid, you need to go do this, and you forgot that this out. And, the, and she was, and I said, hang on, hang on, hang on. Um, you're so good to me. You're such a good friend. Could you just be as nice to you as you are to me? And she walked out of her sliding glass door to go get some tomatoes that had been ripening out there in the sun, and she goes, whoa, I do that, don't I? Some of you never know because it's never exposed because you don't let it come out of your mouth. You just let it ping around in here. And the truth is, you've got to agree with what God says about you. So my father is an artist, and I told you, I told you that he is like a mentor, an amazing storyteller, and a wonderful person in my life. And, and I started a podcast, by the way, those of you who are podcast listeners, I would love for you to subscribe. It's called The Real Deal. My dad is the RD, Richard Dean. And he always told us, just be the real deal. It was wonderful advice. If you're a grandma, tell your kids, just be the real deal. What that means is be authentically you. If you don't like to run out in the woods because you really don't like the outdoors, it's okay. If you love the outdoors and everybody in your family sits inside and goes on the couch all the time, it's okay. Like, be who you are. And my dad told us, he blessed us to be the real deal. He's R.D., Richard Dean. So he always told us, just be the real deal. So I named the podcast The Real Deal. And I have interviewed so many incredible people who are just comfortable in their own skin and they like being who they are. Does that make sense? Because they are the real deal. And so when it comes to that, you need to be the real deal. You need to be who you are. And my father was the real deal, and it helped me to know that he was sanctioning for me to be the real deal. Now, if that's true in the natural, think of how true it is in the spiritual. God goes, listen, I wired you. 
and I made you, and I have given you a personality, and I've given you certain places to live. In Acts 17, it says that he designs the exact times and places in which we live. We think it's here by accident. He goes, no, I know, and that's where you're going to live. And those are the people that you're going to hang out with. And that's the church you're going to go to. And those are the people in your job. But God, I don't really like those people in my job. I know. That's why I have you there. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? And so it's really important for you to know who you are and whose you are and to come into alignment with what he says about you. And so I want to read just a few things from Ephesians to you because I want for your ears to perk up. Now, I'm reading from ESV. It may be a different version for you, but I want your ears to perk up when I say something from the scripture that is true about you, okay, because of what Jesus says. Some of us are trying so hard to get performance to where we could be loved by God when there is no performance unless you take Jesus' performance on the cross into account, okay? What he performed was a done deal. But when I say some of these things, I want for your ears to just perk up because it's incredible the things that God has won for us and who we are. I'm going to read the first, I think, quite, quite a big chunk of Ephesians 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints, to the saints, who are in Ephesus and the faithful ones in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us to be before the foundations of the world in him, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. Just be loved. In him, we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he has set forth in Christ as the plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance and have been predestined according to the pure purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it to the praise of his glory. What I want for you to know is that when I just read a few of these things, and I'm not even telling you all of them, it tells you that you are a saint. Say, I'm a saint. One, two, three. I receive grace. One, two, three. Say, I have peace. It says, I am chosen. Repeat it. I am holy. I am adopted. I am blessed. I am redeemed. I am forgiven of sin. I am predestined. I am sealed. Did I make any of that up? No. I sat down here before it started and I said, uh, Michael, there's a post-it note hanging around. I just need to write just a few. Just a few. That that was right there. Those are few things that were right there. So when you feel like, you know what? You are not selected. God doesn't even have you on the team at all. No, 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 I'm chosen. 
I'm chosen. No, no, you know what? You really better match up. No, 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 I'm forgiven. Do you understand? You just got to agree with God and what God says about you. And then I want to read to you from chapter 2 of Ephesians, just a few verses. But chapter 2's words are very important as well. And I'm reading from verse 6. And he raised us up to be with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. I'm reading that and I'm going to continue. But I want you guys to know, you have a drone aerial view of the world. And the enemy wants you to think you are only on the world and that the enemy is after you and you are running away. I can't tell you how many times I hear in people's language, oh, the enemy is after me and he's winning, he's overtaking me. No, 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 no. The enemy is not overtaking you. You are seated in the heavenlies with Christ. So you got to take your spot because then guess what? You are above him and you get to crush his head. He is running after you. No, 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 no. He's running away from you. You're a threat, and you are seated in the heavenlies. Where did you get that? It's in here. It's right here. Ephesians 2, and I was reading verse 6. And he raised us up to be with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ, so that in the coming ages he might show his immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. Everybody say, thank goodness. One, two, three. Thank goodness. This is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. You see, you are God's grand design. You are his, ta-da! You know, I'm going to read a few more scriptures, but I love gymnastics when it comes to the Olympics. I love the stories. I love to watch those girls flip, 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 and the floor exercise, and they do all the things on the bars. But the floor exercise, you know, they always have the tightest little buns, and they do this like, do do you know what I'm talking about? And their back is like a banana. Do you know what I mean? They, They go like, I can't do it. But do you know what I'm saying? And they are the cutest little thing. And when they get done, I don't care if they messed up their routine. When they get done, they do this. Do you know what I'm talking about? They do this stick the landing thing, right? You are God's. That's what you are. You are God's. Ta-da. And it doesn't matter that you make the mistakes. It doesn't matter that you feel like you don't measure up. He already did it all and wants you to receive that. It's very freeing. So I told you that my father is an artist. And what's important to me is that I have lots of things in my home that are his pictures. And when people walk in, they say, oh, wow, that's great. That's wonderful. Did you do that? And I said, no, I did that one, and I did that one, and I did that one. But this is my dad. Now, I've never had this happen. But if anybody were to come in and have dinner with Michael and me and our family and sit down, and if they were to say, you know, that's just junk. Who did that? I'd have fire in my belly. I'd be like, you know what? That is a piece of artwork, and I know you don't understand it because my dad does more abstract type things, but that is a masterpiece. And let me tell you why. My dad knows about design, and that little piece up there that's red, it's counterbalanced over here that's red, and he knows that your eye is going to go here, there, and everywhere, and he made a masterpiece, and don't you dare dog it. Right? But here's the deal. 
we need to know that we're his masterpiece. And some people, and I'm just going to be honest, some people in the church get really nervous with this message. They get really nervous with this message because they think that I might just be talking about something that won't make women humble. And all I want to tell you is it's called confidence. And what happens is when you know who you are, you hold your crown up high. And it, what did it say in Ephesians? All of this is done for you for the praise of his glory. Do you understand? For the praise of his glory. The world out there is looking for those people who know that they're not always broken and that the future isn't always bleak. And it's us. So we got to step up and let them know. But we're so worried that if we step up and let them know, somehow somebody's going to think we're arrogant. No, false humility is killing the church. Because it's based on us still. Do you understand that it's a form of pride? Because we're just weak and we're just... Okay, so I, I need you to know that it's important that you understand who you are and what was bought for you. I want to read one other section, then I have something to declare over you. This is from Colossians, and this is so vital. Chapter 1, and I'm reading verse 13. Ladies, you got to get ready for this truth. It's a power punch. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He took you from one dominion of darkness and pulled you out and transferred you into a kingdom. If you transfer money today from one bank account to another, it no longer is in the first account. Do you understand that? They'll give you a statement and it won't show that it's there, right? Because you've transferred it into a different account. He has transferred you from the dominion of darkness into what? The kingdom of light. It's really important that you know that and operate in that direction. Okay, so that is really an important thing. And I want you to know that you were bought with blood. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, I'm talking Old Testament times. Listen to what God says about his kids. This is Deuteronomy 14 verse 2. For you are a people holy to the Lord. Holy to the Lord your God. And the Lord has chosen you to be his people and his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are in and on the face of the earth. Out of all the people, he goes, you're my chosen possession. That's a big deal. And I've had women come up and say, no, no, Rachel, that was talking about the Israelites. And they are his chosen people. Those are the Jews. Those are the people of God. And I said, I understand what you're saying. But can we also just go to Galatians? Because I want to show you that Galatians 3.29 says that if you are in Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Do you understand that we have not been barging our way in? We have been grafted in. So you need to own what you own. Like, wouldn't it be terrible if your house was falling apart and you, and you had a great inheritance and you never even used any of it? Do you see what I'm saying? God says, use this inheritance. I've given you things, and you need to know what those things are. So, ladies, I have a word for you. About a year ago, I got this thought, and it, it's basically based in Scripture. Don't get yourselves all nervous. And I laid there, and I woke up, and I got my phone as fast as I could, and I just typed it because I had an audience of people that were going to be people who go, and they minister from churches to places in the community, places in the hospitals, places at hospice, places all over because they're chaplains. Does this make sense? And God gave me a word for these chaplains. And I said, God, can I give this word to the women of Ladies' Day? And I believe he's freed me to give it to you. And it's important that I give it to you because you've got to know who you are. 
Okay? And so I read some things to you to know where you're transferred and how you need to think about yourself to prep you for what I'm ready to say. Now, I don't like to read to people. As you can tell, I'd rather just tell you the story. But I want to read this because I want to get it the way it came to me. So let me just read to you for a second. I know who I am. This is the message of the believer. I know who I am, and I know whose I am. Who am I? That's the message of the world. When you walk into a hospital room or a home of people that you are ministering to, you usher in the presence of God because you are light. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Then he turned to his disciples and he said, you are the light of the world. If people that you know that you are sent to don't know Jesus, then you get to represent him. You get to re-present him. Some people have a very bad view of Jesus, God, or the Holy Spirit. Lucky for you, you get to re-present him. And if they know Jesus, you get to remind them of who they are in Christ. Isaiah 62, 4 says, I am no longer called forsaken or desolate. My new names are Hephzibah and Beulah. He delights in me, and I am married to him. So when we, ladies of Ladies Day, when I, when we go to the post office, we bring Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit with us. When we go to the grocery store or a restaurant, we bring Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit with us. Why? Because it's who we house. And in Christ, Christ is in us, and we are in him. Let me tell you about myself, Rachel, in the natural. In the natural, I am the daughter of two octogenarians. One's 87, one's 88. They're in, they live in Iowa, and I am loved by them, and they love each other. I am loved beyond my wildest imagination. I am the fourth girl in a family, and you guessed it, I'm the baby. I have been married to Michael for 34 years. He's the most decent man on the planet, and he is who Stuart Briscoe, my pastor, says makes me radiant. I have three children who have given me a huge purpose in this world while they were under our roof and a reason to pray as um, they have flown our nest. The pain of my parenting and the reason that I, as the reason that I now am more aware of my role in the kingdom, and it's to exhort believers to know who they are in Christ. I am an author who could not even read as a kid and definitely couldn't spell. I was not a great test taker in high school, but I was always on the dean's list at college. That's just a bit about the truth of me in the natural. But strap on your seatbelts. Are you ready? I am ready to tell you who I am in the spiritual. And if you know Jesus, this is your story too. Are you ready? I am a child of the Most High God. I am accepted in the Beloved. I am a saint. I am a new creation. I am righteous. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am surrounded with favor. I am royalty. I am a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a woman belonging to God. I am an overcomer who has overcome and overcome and gets hit and overcomes and then gets hit and overcomes and overcomes until I look back and I say, I am more than a conqueror. I am walking in the kingdom way. I am under the blood of Jesus. My home is heaven. I am called to bring heaven to earth because I carry my father's DNA on earth as it is in heaven. I have deep humility, but high confidence because God, the father has chosen me. Listen, you have to know who you are. We have to know who we are and whose we are. The world is not looking for someone else to bump around in the dark with them. They are looking for light. You 
are the light of the world. So shine as you minister. You can only release what you carry. If I said, could you give me $5? You can only give me $5 if you're carrying $5. But you get to release what you carry. The world isn't looking for other broken people to hang out with. They are looking for something different. They want to experience wholeness and victory. And both have been won for us by Jesus Christ. I love the Gaithers. How many of you love the Gaithers? Raise your hand if you love the Gaithers. So just get ready. I want you to know I grew up singing with Bill. I thought he was going to call me and ask me to sing with him, but he hasn't called yet. And I just need you to know I love the Gaithers. But I grew up singing a song that is not true. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. As Pete Briscoe would say, sinner and saved are oxymorons. They do not belong in the same sentence. It is not the truth of scripture. It is not the truth of scripture that you are saved and a sinner. No, you are saved. So you used to be a sinner. Remember, I told you, you've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And so you've been transferred. So now you are a saint. You are a saint. It is a song that I can totally get behind. And this is this one. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus. Let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms shall all pass away. But there's something about that name. You see, Colossians 1.13 says that he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. So here's my declaration, and I'm exhorting you. He says, your beloved, just be loved. You have a new name, a new kingdom, a new nature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. What has happened to the old? It has passed. What has happened to the old? It has passed Okay, my grandmother passed away when I was a young mom. She lived a long life. She lived just shy of 99 years. But when she passed away, I no longer visited her, and she no longer visited me because she had passed away. That's a euphemism that means that she had died. She is dead. And because she had passed away, she no longer was able to come visit me or be a force in my life. Yet we teach people. And in the church, we have begun to believe a lie that their sin, that our sin will always visit us for the rest of our lives because we say we are sinners. But it's not true. If you know Jesus, you are a saint and the old has passed away. You are God's righteous, holy people. It is true that you had an old nature. But your old nature does not follow you. You have a new nature. You are a new creation. You no longer have a sin nature. You have a sin habit. But you are a saint. You are a righteous one, a holy one. You may have a sin habit, but just like habits are formed, habits can be broken. And the Holy Spirit is given to give you power not to sin. It's your kingdom GPS. Recalculating, recalculating. If you are a Christian, you no longer have a sin nature. You have a new nature. You may have a sin habit, but habits can be broken. And like a habit can be formed, a habit can be broken. And becoming more like Christ is called sanctification. But your position has been established. It's righteousness and it's in Christ. And that does not move. You are more prone to righteousness than you are prone to sin. So when the enemy tries to tell you how dirty you are and accuse you and condemn you, he is a liar. The battle between the good and the bad, the old and the new, is not a true battle. The yin and yang is actually based in Eastern Taoism. The two dogs are not fighting. 
between these worlds. The dog that you feed does not have more power over you. The spirit of God has more power over you. And we need to submit to him and the authority that he has in our lives. Do you know that who you are is more important than what you think about yourself or what the world has told you. It's your identity. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, women belonging to God. And so when the false humility comes in, no, 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 you don't realize I'm just a weak worm of the world. No, 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 you don't realize I'm just a sinner and I can't hold my head up and I shouldn't, no, no, no. That is not from God. God wants you to know that you have his DNA. You are God's mobile home. You are on the loose in the world, and he wants you to be out there. He is who you house, and you need to know that Jesus paid a high price for us not to fully claim and walk in the newness of life that he gave us. Does that make sense to you? Jesus paid too high of a price for us to not walk in the newness of life. We exalt Jesus Christ when we claim what he has paid for, when we claim what he has purchased for us, and when we walk in the identity that he has given us. Does that make sense to you? If it does say, I receive it, one, two, three, I receive it. Here's the thing. It's been paid for already. It's such good news. It's been paid for already. And you can step into it. Let's pause a second. If you are enjoying The Real Deal with Rachel Inouye, subscribe, rate, and review it. I appreciate your support. All right, back to The Real Deal. If you know Jesus, you just need to say, God, thank you, 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 thank you. Some people say, Rachel, but I think if people give you a compliment or tell you something, you should not ever rob God of his glory. I agree. But do you realize that when you say thank you and you run to him and you give him the glory, you've never robbed him of it? Does that make sense? So I had a friend who said, um, my workplace is giving me a final throwaway celebration, not throwaway, um, departing celebration because I'm going to a new company. Farewell. That's the word I was looking for. (laughs) That's really good. Okay. Anyway, she was not being thrown away. She was being sent off and she was at her company and she said, so many people came up and said, you know, if you weren't here, I don't know what I would do. And if you weren't here, I don't know where my marriage would have been. And if you weren't here, I don't think I would have been able to stand it in this company so long. Lady, she was representing God when she was there. Right. And so I said to my friend, did you take that? Did you receive it? Did you let, did you get that? And she said, What are you talking about? I said, so many Christians cannot accept anything positive about themselves because they're so worried that they're going to turn into an egomaniac. Did you accept that? And she said, yeah. And I said, here's the picture I got when you were telling me about the people saying, I don't know where my marriage would have been, or I don't know where my child would have been, or I don't know if I could have stood working at this job. I said, you were telling me the story. And all I could think about was ice skaters. My daughter in love is an ice skater. And I was thinking about at the end, like she watches all these big competitions. And you know, when they've finished and they've done their ice skating, people throw roses on the ice, right? And they throw roses like, wow, yay, yay, yay. And then what happens? Somebody skates out there and collects all of the roses and gives them to the person. And so they get to see their score and they're standing behind that little box freezing and they're waiting for the people to tell them how, but here's the deal. Ladies, when you receive something of a compliment, it's to the praise of his glory. So take the rose, take the rose, take the rose. And this is what you get to do. This does not rob God of his glory. This is what you get to do. You get to say, here, God, this is what they said about us. Do you understand? It is so freeing. 
Because you are amazing masterpieces, poems of God. And I am coming here today to tell you, would you please get it? Would you please get it? Get your tights unstuck because when you collect a rose, you say, here, Papa God, this is what I got for you because this is what they said about us and you made me and you formed me and you've got a good plan and you're going out ahead for me because you say that you prepare in advance the things I am to do. So if I got any accolades, you already prepared that, by the way, so thanks for hoeing my row. Okay, I want, I want you to know that my friend, Sue Ann, she and I, uh, she lives in the Twin Cities area. She lives in Burnsville. And we prayed together when I was part of her church for years and years. And we prayed on Thursday. What I loved about praying with Sue Ann was Thursday came and often went. And if we forgot to pray or didn't pray or the kids were too busy or whatever, we always had Friday. And we have prayed for years together. And one time I called her and I said, Sue Ann, let's um, pray today. And it was the start of the school year. And she was a preschool teacher. And she has since retired, but this was like two years ago. And so we were praying together, and I was writing down a little notebook how I could pray for Sue Ann. And by the way, if you write in a notebook, that's fabulous. And if you also don't write in a book, uh, notebook, that's fabulous because um, God can ping you. The Holy Spirit can remind you to pray for your friend, right? Okay, so either way, no right or wrong. So I had written it down, and I was praying for Sue Ann. I said, hey, Sue Ann, how can I pray for you this time? She said, well, I said, I'm looking in this little notebook, and you said that you wanted prayer for the start of the school year. With your little preschoolers, you said that, and I was looking at my notebook, you said that you were going to be teaching them about the calendar and the seasons and, and colors and things like that. How's that going? Because I've been praying for you at the start of your school year. And she says, Rachel, we haven't gotten to the calendar. We haven't gotten to, to the seasons. We're still working on lining up. And I'm picturing Sue Ann saying, okay, everybody line up. And they're like, you know, so, so I said, so what are you doing? And she said this, she goes, here's what I was doing. We had already learned our colors. And so I thought, okay, the preschoolers, they've learned their colors. I'm going to use colors to help them line up. So she said, I would say, if you're wearing blue, you can line up. And they'd all sit there. She goes, so, you know, she and I both like songs. She goes, so then I go, if you're wearing blue, please line up. <laughs> and they'd all sit there. She goes, Rachel, we're still working on lining up. I said, okay. She said, so here's what I did. I started calling out, Wyatt, you are wearing blue so you can line up. Brittany, you are wearing blue. Go ahead and line up. Timothy, you're wearing blue. You can line up. And she said, we're still working on lining up. So I got to thinking about that. And you know, the book Lily Pads that I wrote, it, it's just when things happen in my world or I see something, I feel like God's always teaching me something. Does that make sense? So whatever I was seeing or whatever I was doing, so I hang up and I'm thinking, oh, lining up. And then God gave me this thought. Here's what it was. I was like, what's the deal with the lining up? He said, well, think about it logically, ladies. They were not lining up. There could be one reason. It could be that they're colorblind. Okay, that's true. It's true. My cousin's son is colorblind. So, but let's take that one sort of out. So it could be. But the other two factors that I felt like God told me was either they don't know their colors, right? So they're not lining up. Or they think that Mrs. Chandler has to sing the song and call them out singly by name before they can line up. 
because she's done that a few times. Wyatt, you are wearing blue, so you can line up. Do you get what I'm saying? So either they don't know their colors or they think they have to be called out individually. That's why. And I said, God, what does that mean? And I'm telling you what he said. This is what I believe. He said, ladies need to know their colors. They need to know what I say about them. They need to know what I've purchased for them. They need to know who they are in the kingdom. They've got to stop cooperating and partnering with lies and just step in. If you're wearing the blood, please line up. Do you get it? Because if you're wearing the blood, it applies to you. Do you get it? It's really important that you know your colors in the kingdom. That you know what's already been purchased for you. Because you can't give away what you don't carry. But you give away what you carry. Right? So I cannot give you $5. But if I'm carrying $5, I can give $5. I cannot give you peace. But if I'm carrying the Prince of Peace, I can release peace. The other day I was speaking at a retreat and I had the meat of an apple stuck back here. And I've been wearing these Invisalign things, so I have to pop them out of my mouth before I go speak. And this is too much information, but I'm just telling you the truth. And so I pop them all out, and I put them in a little thing. And then, and then I could feel we had these carameled apples at the thing, and I could just feel this meat stuck. And I was at a retreat, and I didn't have floss. Oh, can you believe it? It was just a crime. Anyway, so I didn't have floss. So the whole time, I mean, you can only get your toothbrush in there. So I couldn't get. And so I was at this thing, and I said, you guys, it's really bugging me. And I had to do with something to do with the talk. Believe me, it did. And. I tell them about this, and I'll never forget this lady in the fourth row. She comes and she goes, here. She goes, and she gives me part of her floss. I was like, I am going to hug you tighter than you can ever imagine because it was fabulous. She can't give floss unless she's carrying floss. That's a silly example to teach you this spiritual principle. When you carry the light of the world, you infect the darkness. There are so many people that are so afraid of the world and they don't know exactly what they carry because they don't know how they've been purchased. I want to read to you a story. It's called Johnny Lingo and some of you know it, but I want you to know that this relates to who you are and how you've been purchased and what God did for you in the kingdom. It's called the eight cow wife. Long ago in a primitive culture, it was required that before they married, the young men had to bargain with the girl's father for her. The fathers in the village demanded payment for their daughters, generally in the form of cows. Three cows would buy an above average wife and four cows or five cows would buy a very beautiful wife. Johnny, the brightest and strongest and most handsome man in the village, loved Sarita. Sarita most generally could have been described as plain. She was not truly ugly, but neither attractive. She was shy. She was also older than most girls at the time of marriage. The villagers loved to gossip about Sarita and about the bargaining price for a girl. Some said that Johnny might offer two or three cows. Others said Sarita's father might take just one cow since nobody was even interested in her. Johnny went to meet with Sarita's father and offered eight cows for her. Everyone was astonished. That was the highest price ever paid for a bride in their village. Soon, Johnny herded eight cows to his future father-in-law's house, and the wedding was held that same evening. Time passed, and Sarita changed. Her eyes dazzled, and she moved and spoke with striking grace and poise. People who came from the village had never seen Sarita before, but they remarked that she was the region's most beautiful woman. Much later, someone asked Johnny why he paid such a high price for her. 
Why offer eight cows when he could have had her for his wife for much less? Did he make such an offer to make her happy? Well, yes, I wanted her happy. But more than that, the most important thing that changes a woman is how she thinks about herself. Sarita believed that she was worth nothing. And now she knows that she's worth more than any woman in the village. Johnny concluded, I loved Sarita more than any other woman, and I wanted to marry her. And I also wanted an eight-cow wife. (laughs) She started to react the way she was thinking. She started to behave based on her thoughts. You realize, ladies, sometimes we think such poor things that we're trying through our behavior to earn something that the truth is when we get truth up here, it affects our behavior out here. So here's the scoop. I don't know about you. I told you that I like to thrift. I told you that, or Karen did, and and I admitted because I do. What what do we think? When something is more expensive, we believe it has more value, right? We just do. The point is, it matters how much was paid. It relates to the value, and people know that. Ladies, you are incredible, and the most expensive price has been paid for you. It's the precious blood of Jesus Christ, and it's been applied to the door of the hearts of believers. All right. Raise your hands out like this, like you're getting a gift. Father, I thank you for the gift of these women. I thank you for what you did in your kingdom when you made them. Thank you for who they are. Thank you that you know them by name. The hairs on their heads, you've got numbered. So are the number of their days. I thank you for the beauty in this room. I thank you for the royalty in this room. I thank you that they are chosen people, holy nation, people belonging to God. They're the beloved. I pray they would be loved. Thank you for what you won for us. Thank you for what you purchased. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to The Real Deal with me, Rachel Inouye, helping people celebrate their significance and the genius of God in them. Audio engineering by my husband, Michael Inouye. Thanks, babe. Theme music by Andrew Grace.